Hi, and welcome to Unlimited. For this very first episode of our Unlimited Groundbreaking series, joining us from London today is the truly groundbreaking Azil Attar. Iraqi-born, raised in England and American-educated, Azil Attar is the most dynamic, hands-on, transformational leader. With over 25 years' experience in the fashion, luxury, brand, and retail industry, Azil started her career at Harrods and reached leading roles as the first female CEO of Middle East major groups such as Damas Jewelry and Majid Al-Futain Fashion. With a reputation for shaping the retail landscape in the Middle East, Attar has won a number of awards and recognition. Just to name a few, Forbes Middle East placed her among the top 50 international CEOs heading local companies in the GCC, and Arabian Business recognized her as one of the 30 most influential women in the Arab world and one of the 100 influential people helped shape the Emirates. Attar is an ambassador for women empowerment, inspiring women of all ages to reach their potential and achieve their goals. So who better than Azil to kickstart unlimited groundbreaking podcast series? Make sure you stay tuned until the end as we have an incredible announcement. I don't want to spoil the surprise, but Azil is bringing to UE and launching exclusively on Unlimited, through our platform, her latest project, her masterclass. Stay tuned and find out more. Hi, Azil. Welcome to Unlimited. Hi, Daniela. Great to have you with me, and I'm really excited to be part of this. We just heard in the intro about all your achievements and accomplishments. But tell us, Azil, where did it all begin? Who was Azil at the very beginning of her journey? Well, I think it all began when I was a little star in the sky. <laughs> Basically, I mean, my career started, um, like you said, almost 30 years ago on the shop floor, as a matter of fact. A little bit before the shop floor, though, I did graduate. I mean, if you sort of know a little bit about me, you'll get to know that I'm, I guess, very impatient, highly ambitious. Really? Ambitious? You? We would have never imagined that. I know. I know. It's guilty. And so I think it started when I was very young, when I was sort of in my teens and realized that I could graduate high school sort of three years ahead of the game because I was in an American school and you could earn credits. And I quickly came to know that. So I graduated sort of high school at 15 and was desperate to start university. I was much more mature than my age. And so really, really desperate to become part of the older, you know, gang and start my career. So I studied interior design. And when I joined the American University in London, I then quickly realized, oh, I'm still in an American system. So I don't have to do four years. I can also accelerate that. So I then graduated uni at around 19 and set up my sort of own business, what I thought was a business when I was very, very young in interior design. And then sort of my career really started um, after I had my kids. I also went back into my field in interiors and sort of was very entrepreneurial from a young age. I always wanted to have sort of my own business and learn it that way. So I did that for a good few years. So basically, by the time of, uh, what, 22 years old, you had already accomplished uh, a lifetime worth of achievements. Well, I don't know if it's everything. I certainly, you know, I think I did achieve, you know, I did achieve uh, a lot and I worked really hard and various different, you know, personal circumstances sort of led me to the career that I decided. And so that in my early you know, in my 20s, um, like I said, because of a personal circumstance, I, I went, 
I needed to get out and, and sort of leave my own business and sort of venture into the real world. And so I started my, let's say, official career um, with Harrods very, very uh, long time ago as a sales associate on the shop floor. And I guess, you know, the rest is history because Harrods was always and will always be my sort of very first school of, um, you know, of thought and of experience. And I wanted to, you know, at the time when I thought, okay, well, where can I go and start my career and actually learn? And of course, there's nowhere greater than Harrods, you know, the biggest brand in the world, the luxury brand, the experience. And so it sort of started there. Well, isn't Harris the first love when it comes to retail? Definitely my first love for retail. You know, I have a very special heart, a place in my heart for Harrods. It taught me, it was amazing. I mean, Harrods was way more than I ever expected. And it was an academy, you know, it taught you everything. It taught you how to respect, you know, the power of a brand and the the, the sort of all the work that goes behind creating a brand and delivering an experience. And Mohammed Al-Fayed, who I was very, very lucky to work with, Uh, because I went to Harrods back twice through my career, you know, taught me how to emotionally engage with your teams, how to participate with, you know, everyone around you. And so it was really magical. I mean, I was really fortunate um, and I worked incredibly hard. It's not easy. Everybody listening who's involved in retail knows certainly when you're on a shop floor and even as I sort of progressed through my career with Harrods and became one of their, you know, buyers, It's very difficult. Retail is not an easy game, but Harrods taught me to always go the extra mile, you know? It was an amazing institute. And while for many, Harrods would have been a point of arrival, I guess that for you was more like a stepping stone, a launching platform? Yeah, I think one of my traits, like I said, whether it's, you know, uh, I, I think definitely for me, it's a great thing that, um, you know, I do sort of, when I fulfill my obligation and I feel that I've achieved and has learned as much as I can possibly can learn or give in a role, I definitely start to look for something to sort of feed my knowledge. And yeah, Harrods for me was the ultimate stepping stone because I knew once I when, once I sort of got that name on my CV, it would open many doors back then because they knew that you came from a you know luxury institute and you came from the best. And being selected to work in Harrods, whether you're on the shop floor as a buyer or as an executive is you know, a very big achievement. So Yeah, for me, then that sort of caught the attention of different headhunters. And because of the things that I had done, you know, in that department store and the turnaround, Harrods was my first turnaround, as a matter of fact. And, you know, when I joined it again as a buyer, so it caught the attention of people in the industry. And then I was headhunted into, you know, a number of different roles through my career as sort of creative director and brand director and accessories director for brands like Karen Millen and um, Jigsaw and, you know, an incredible startup brand in, in New York. So, yeah, I, I went on to different positions, learning much more about the A to Z. I guess my career spans the A to Z of retailing, and it's sort of very hybrid because it's commercial and creative. So, The first part of my career, I was very much in creative roles, like I said, as, you know, head of accessories for brands and 
and then as creative director for brands and you know as a merchandise director or buying director so very merchant and design led sorry let's focus for a second on the um, role of the buyer because I come from a buying background myself and I feel that there's a huge misconception about the role um, people believe that buying is shopping but uh, as glamorous it, uh, as it might sound buying instead it's um, managing numbers uh, dealing with OTBs and budgets so how being a buyer helped you to progress further in your career? It's definitely not about yes. shopping and I challenge anybody to take on a buyer's role and, and say that it's about shopping. I mean, you know, first and foremost, being a buyer means you're hugely responsible for a budget that you're given by an organization that you have to deliver and you have to deliver it successfully and make money for them. So it's not like you get a free ticket to shop till you drop, number one. Um, you know, and therefore, on the back of that, there's a lot of calculation, a lot of work that you have to do so that you de-risk the business. At the end of the day, you're making decisions on behalf of a company. And uh, that is not a light decision in any company that you work in. Yeah, I think that the evolution of my career, because I've been sort of, you know, in positions that are multifaceted, that are always either about sort of turnaround or startup or something with, that needs a new strategy or reads, needs a new reinvention. They've always been very challenging roles and all of that adds the flavor, you know, and adds that experience. So you then become recognized for a certain thing. And I became very much recognized for fixing a problem, fixing a map, you know, creating vision, setting strategies. So that's how it then sort of translated um, into the second half of my career, which was very much in the executive roles. And when it comes to fixing problems and problems overall, it's all about uh, the approach, right? Uh, it could be seen as a threat, as a challenge, and probably you instead took it as, as an opportunity, and that really allowed you to, to make a difference. Exactly. And for me, any role, no matter how small or big, I've always, you know, at the top of my agenda is to make that difference. You know, people who know me know me very well for one that always wants to sort of leave legacy and share knowledge and make an impact. And so I've made sure that in every position that I'm in, I've definitely sort of put the people on the forefront and made sure that how do I make that difference in the role? It's not just coming in and making money. It's about how do I motivate and inspire the entire business to sort of you know, be motivated to achieve the end gain. And that's been very much sort of my style. And talking about style, what is your leadership style? What made you so successful? Uh, you have the reputation of being quite an unconventional CEO. Uh, surely not one uh, focused only on numbers. Those that have worked with me know that for me, numbers are sort of an outcome of the deliverable. And my first and foremost priority are people. You know, in my offices, always in any anywhere, you'll see, you know, big words on my wall saying people are my number one focus. That's all I focus about, as a matter of fact. You know, when I join a business, I don't spend the first 90 days looking at the Excel sheets and looking just at the P&Ls. I spend that time sort of, you know, especially in the businesses that I've been in, they've been multinational, multi-regional. So I spend my time touring the regions and I actually meet and allow myself time to meet every single individual in that business. I mean, everyone, the person who's serving, you know, tea, uh, the person who's, you know, cleaning the, the offices, I meet every individual and it, it baffles my PA because that's usually the first thing that I ask her. I get her to ask 
to get me a list of everyone in the business. And then she starts to have to manage this colossal task. of That's a lot of one-to-ones to organize. Yeah, yeah, she has. So she'll sit there and she'll be like, there's 500 people in head office. You're actually going to meet them one-on-one. And that's 15 minutes a person that I dedicate to. And that means that goes on for weeks. Um, but it's incredible, Daniela, that the, I mean, that the reaction when I meet the teams is what's incredible because some of them, sometimes, obviously some of them are nervous. They don't know why they're meeting me. Most of the time they end up crying because they're shocked. Why are you I'm, giving me goosebumps? It's amazing. I mean, they, you know, most of the time they say we've never, ever, ever, I've been in the business 15, 20 years. I've never met my CEO. So it's shocking. You know, you assume people and businesses uh, all know their leadership team are all communicating. That's not the case, you know? So for me, that is very important when I'm looking at reshaping and making a difference is to physically actually know the people that I'm working with. Yeah. Well, and probably this is what made you successful and made you gain the title and position of first female CEO. Uh, because let's admit it, back then, and unfortunately still nowadays, uh, it's quite a male-dominated world. Well, I mean, every role, I do a huge amount for women empowerment and over my career, you know, have been championing women and men in the workplace. And so, you know, how I've gotten my roles has always been on merit. I've never, ever thought I'm going for an interview. I've been headhunted for a role and, oh my gosh, I'm a woman, you know, wow, that's a really big deal. No, I'm always confident that they're, you know, they've reached out to me because I'm excellent at what I do, my reputation, my merit, my deliverables, my knowledge, my expertise, you know, and that's how I get the roles that I have. And, you know, I'm always when I'm doing like women empowerment conferences, and it ends up being sort of a this us against them. I'm always saying to the women that this is not at all. It is up to you. And it's very difficult because no one is saying it's not male dominated. It is. And the higher up in the rank, especially when it becomes, you know, sort of shareholder and board involvement, it's very difficult to gain a seat. However, it is possible. And myself and other women out there have evidenced that. And it's your job not to give up and to make sure that you do work hard. Because at the end of the day, you know, I'll go to an interview. There'll be 15 other men, literally, and just me. Um, I'll get the job because I know exactly what I'm talking about you know, and I happen to be the right fit for that role. Um, But having said that, Daniela, I think there's a really big gap. There's a long way to go for senior leadership. And, you know, when it comes to women in senior positions, and I truly hope and feel that after this or during this COVID situation that we're in, that companies, groups, organization, and businesses really recognize the difference between female leadership, because now is the time when your customers and your stakeholders and your employees do not need a leadership team that are just looking at the numbers because clearly it is a stressful time. And clearly, you know, yes, you have to number crunch and look at your costs in order to have an efficient business. But believe me, you're not going to have that if you're not focusing on your teams and the loyalty that you need and commitment. And this has been such an interesting time, Daniela, as I speak to so many people that we're all feeling the same thing. You know, we all have the same experience. It's not just a a group of, you know, individuals that are experiencing something in the rest of the world. We're all in this together. And if these companies don't recognize that, therefore hire people or hopefully change their mindset to have more empathy as women, female leaders do have 
have that ability to engage, you know, have this ability to, to, to reach out and communicate or over communicate, which is typically not ever done. That's why my style of leadership is unusual. Uh, but that's always been the norm for me. But it's definitely not been the norm for a typical, you know, leaders of businesses because it's all profit-led, profit-driven stakeholder, which is fine. But today, coming out of our situation, more than ever, you need, you know, and that's why I hope to see more, you know, more women leaders on the board or leading organizations so they are introducing this level of emotional engagement that, you know, men do not have, and the men will agree to that. Wow, I couldn't agree more, and no one could have said it better. That's truly what being a leader is about, and I, I love your passion, I love your determination, I love your charisma, and at the same time, as I got to know you better, I see how you're also extremely approachable, relatable, uh, and hands-on. <laughs> I mean, you're there basically 24-7, I receive email from you at 2 o'clock at night, so I wonder, how can you be such an inspirational leader and at the same time be so hands-on what's what's your secret how do you do all this yeah we do we do thank you Daniela I, I think that helps me a lot because you know I am called the turban thinker that means I do have seven heads um and that means the seven heads really are useful <laughs> that's probably because I'm a Gemini or I don't know what but certainly people have accused me of having too many heads and so well I think it as a compliment oh definitely definitely you know I have a I have a social responsibility head I have a business head a strategy head you know a creative head uh, you name it I can list them a whole board of director under that turban yes uh, you know and so yeah but at the same time that is not easy to live with because you know speed is one of my you know, greatest traits, I guess. And, uh, you know, that ability to think fast and with, you know, very strong decision-making. And at the end of the day, you know, you do have a lot of experience and that's how you're able to do the things. So I'm always actively involved. Um, you know, even in the big businesses that I've been in, I'm not micro, but I'm always available and always involved in the business because I like to know what's going on. And that's really important because I really care. And so whether it's a personal project of mine or someone that I'm, you know, taking responsibility for in a business, it's very important to be that sort of hands-on and at least to have your, you know, your sort of pulse in the business and to understand the nuances. And at the end of the day, that's also led by my passion. You know, I love what I do. It's, it's taken, you know, 30 years of my life has been dedicated to my work um, as well. So that's what helps you sort of manage or know when you should be on and off and, you know, how involved you can get. But being a transformational leader by default means that you have to be hands-on because you cannot transform without being a, a part of it. What do you value most in life and in business and who's been your role model? You know, my values are based obviously on my ethics, Daniela, people who know me, you know, I was raised with a very, very value-centric, value-driven, ethical household. You know, my parents were my greatest examples and my heroes, and they taught us never to compromise on our values. What is right is right and wrong is wrong and never be able, afraid to sort of say it. Um, and so for me, it's my personal, you know, my faith is incredibly important to me. It guides my every decision. And, uh, you know, that all links to the values. And that's my checklist. Every decision I've ever made, business or personal, always links back 
to my faith and my values. And, and I know if this is right, then definitely. And if it's wrong, I don't care who, for what, you know, it doesn't matter if it's wrong, it's wrong and I'm not going to do it. And, you know, and I don't encourage it and I don't compromise on it. So values are incredibly important to me and my faith as well. As you mentioned your family, tell us about your Iraqi heritage and how this might have influenced your choices in life and throughout your career. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm very proud to be Iraqi. Actually, I'm of mixed heritage, so I'm equal parts, you know, Iraqi and Indian as well. Um, so, you know, my, my Iraqi side, uh, Iraqis are incredibly creative. And I think that's definitely, uh, you know, where I get that from. They're creative. Of course, they have been the first, led many firsts in education and in science. You know, Iraqis are very, very intelligent. And, you know, they have been my role model, really, and has inspired me, the Iraqi people. You know, their resilience, obviously, they've been going through with war for over 40 years and they're resilient and they keep going. Um, and the rich his history of Mesopotamia, you know, it's, it's a huge mm -hmm. part of my background. And that also translates into my family and my values and, you know, raised by my, like I said, parents and siblings who are artists, engineers, you know, all of that means that you have this uh, structured mind, but a creative mind as well. So that all comes from the heritage that you have. And the Iraqi heritage is so rich, you know, with culture and is a huge reference point in my life. And I'm very, very proud of it. And I love how your attachment to the territory and its people brought you to um, focus and support all local talents. And I'm referring to SALT, which you founded in uh, 2014. And I love the name, by the way, SALT. So catchy and meaningful, right? Support all local talents. So actually, yeah, I set up SALT in uh, around 2014, as a matter of fact. And yeah, SALT stands for Supporting All Local Talent and is a, it's been a, a mission of mine for many, many years, way before 2014, you know, when I was involved in emerging designers and uh, supporting them when I had a role in New York as well and in Barcelona, working with talented designers and scouting them and investing in their potential. And so I've always been, you know, an advocate for talent, and I also know how very difficult and challenging it is for brands and designers and creatives to commercialize their potential, to really get their foot in the door. And so SALT, when we set that up, basically is exactly that. So we scout talent uh, from the region, from the Middle East, and, and globally, we work with you know, London College of Fashion or Parsons in the past and other institutes as well as established designers. And then we coach them, we mentor them, we give them support through various workshops on exactly that, how to commercialize your business, how to learn the business acumen, how to understand how to create a brand, you know, how to structure a brand, how to build ranges, how to then um, distributed, how to source manufacturing partners, really support talents in getting it right, because it's not easy out there for the young designers or even mature designers. Yeah, and so it's tougher and tougher, right? Exactly. Times are getting much harder and therefore, you know, they need much more support. So SALT is a labor of love and is a passion and also is going to be actually, hopefully, um, Let's say by the end of the year, we're going to be uh, launching. We were supposed to launch the e-com site, and now we're holding back, obviously, because of the situation. But it is a platform where we basically bring on 
many designers from different parts of the world and we give them the platform so that they're able to retail their products as well as we're coaching them and helping them build the collections. So it's going to be an actual retail platform um, and, and very much a community where consumers can come and meet some amazing limited collections, you know, beautiful quality, innovative, young designers, things that are unique. So salt.com will sort of be launched by the end of the year. Well, we definitely expect uh, to have you back towards the end of the year to announce uh, the launch of uh, salt.com. But for now, we have something very special to announce, right? Are you ready? Drum roll. Well, drum roll, like you said. I mean, you know, for me, after sort of almost 30 years of being in the industry and having, like I said, you know, handle so many different verticals from uh, fashion and brand and strategy and turnaround and leadership and all these different, um, you know, assets that I have, I've decided to sort of compile them all in a beautifully packaged masterclass, which I'm really excited to have launched uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, um, a couple of days ago. So my masterclass is very exciting because it's a series of sort of 10 masterclasses which is over a hundred subjects. Hold on a sec. So you said a series of masterclasses because out there there are celebrities launching the masterclass. But when it comes to Azilatar, obviously you always have to exceed expectations. A series. It has to be, right? Because the thing is with me, Daniela, I mean, I, I love the fact that people do masterclasses. But for me, it's, you know, it's all about storytelling and that journey. And I think that's what people, they don't want to, Necessarily, I mean, the master classes are under the name of shop floor to CEO, and it's exactly that. It's 10 master classes initially that will take you through my journey of when I started on the shop floor and all of my learnings to reach the CEO position. So it covers, you know, every subject you can think of, whether it's retailing, whether it's brand, whether it's fashion industry, whether it's leadership, empowerment, social responsibility, the things that matter to me and that I experience. And I think, you know, when people go for a masterclass, rather than being just talked to, it's very interesting for them to hear the story of how, because not everyone's going to be a CEO, not everyone's going to be an executive, not everyone's going to be a manager, but it's just being the best of who you can be. And I think that's the underlying message of the masterclass is any subject that you're going to listen to is much more, it's a much more motivational driven and sort of empowering you to be able to follow your dream no matter what it is. So that's kind of the context of how I've delivered it as opposed to become a CEO, do this, or you turn around, you do this. No, it's just a very personal storytelling. Once I launch the 10 the ten masterclasses over the 10 months, then I'm going to sort of invite industry experts. So there'll be this great layering of, you know, other industry um, insights alongside myself delivering masterclasses. So it is like an academy where you can learn not just from me, but from the industry best. And that's what I'm hoping to take this to. And what is your target audience? Who is the masterclass for? Me, for sure, but who else? I think, you know, for me, it's the target of everyone who wants to better themselves, really. I mean, it's, you know, there are subjects and classes that are targeted for fashion and designers and brands and creatives, but equally there are um, masterclasses targeted for businesses and senior executives and groups when you talk about strategy and turnaround. 
So it's really uh, very much like my career. It's part creative and part commercial, and the two of them sort of complement each other. So it's for business people or brand owners or entrepreneurs who want to learn. Um, and, you know, like I say in my, in my sort of uh, intro, I mean, I've gone through three recessions in my career and have handled a lot of, you know, uncertainty when it comes. And today we're in a very uncertain world. So there's a lot to learn from, uh, you know, from those different challenges. So really, again, entrepreneurs, brand and business owners and senior executives and corporates who all want to sort of learn different aspects. So without further ado, Azilata Masterclass from floor to CEO, it's here and it's available. Log on to our website, unlimited.me, unlimited with the iPhone, and just subscribe and enjoy. There's no better gift, whether it's for you, just treat yourself, or for your beloved ones, for a close business partner, it's a gift of knowledge. The knowledge, yeah, the gift of knowledge. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than knowledge, obviously, and arming yourself with that. So, and it's very much in tune with, you know, I'm my desperate desire to sort of leave a legacy and share my knowledge. From my point is, you know, you have 30 years of experience and I genuinely want to share as much of my knowledge as possible because that's what I truly believe in, this knowledge transfer and sharing. You know, I don't believe in sort of hogging all of my experience. And, um, you know, so and I think so many people, because the world is so different, probably won't ever have a chance to experience some of the things that I have. So as much as you can share you know it makes me feel better as a person and i can't wait for you know people to learn really sort of get on with it and be a part of it and i'm open to feedback i want to have live uh, sessions so there's a lot it's a very interesting it's not yeah very interactive exactly um obviously on our website so unlimited.me all uh, um, login, subscribe and enjoy. And last but not least, our paramount question. What does unlimited means to you? Wow. I mean, unlimited means, you know, to have infinite possibilities. That's what it means to me. You know, the world is really yours for the taking and there are infinite ways on how you can make a difference and impact no matter where you are and what you do. So unlimited is, you know, and the sky is just there and everything is open for you. So that's it. Unlimited means infinite possibilities. We must have chosen the right logo then for unlimited and the infinite logo. <laughs> I'll send you an invoice. Azil, it's been an incredible pleasure having you with us today and it's an honor that you chose Unlimited to launch a masterclass exclusively across UAE. I personally can't wait to subscribe and be inspired. This is what Unlimited is truly about for me. Inspire and be inspired. Learning from the best. I know better than Azil and her masterclass to kick off this groundbreaking series for Unlimited. Thank you so much. Thank you, Daniela. It's lovely speaking to you and I wish you and your incredible new site all the success. I'm really excited to be on it and thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. We hope you found it inspiring and fulfilling. Please subscribe to Unlimited on your favorite podcast app so you won't miss out on our next stories. To learn more about our content, please log on to our website and follow us at unlimited.me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter and help us building a truly unlimited community. Thank you.